Welcome to the Midnight Watch Podcast. Hey guys, here at the Midnight Watch, we look for older movies to review, going from the blockbusters to the lacklusters to see which ones are still relevant today. I'm your host, Jeremy, along with my brother, Josh, and we have an awesome spoiler-heavy show for you. Josh, what's going on? Hey, man. Just uh, living that COVID-19 life right now, trying to uh, stay fit. My my dad bod and my uh, COVID-19 bod are kind of getting out of control, so I've been <laughs> in the last the last eight eight or nine days I've been trying to get on it and uh, eat better and actually uh, drag my butt around at work and try to get some extra extra steps in some jogging some, some extra walking whatnot because it's uh, it's ridiculous. I'm proud of you for for that. That's pretty awesome. I've been watching inspirational YouTube videos. That's about it. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Hey, mental mental health is uh, is is very important here. Well, that's true. That is true. I do say I, that seriously. I, I meant, meant watching inspirational videos on how to get in shape, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, still working on that. Definitely got to get some steps in for sure. This is our second episode right now. Super excited. Definitely hope you guys check yes. out the first one. We got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about Pet Cemetery, the 1989 version, not the 2019. You know, I just noticed that's exactly 30 years later. That's pretty interesting. That is. I'm sure that's not a coincidence. That's probably not a coincidence. But hey, let's jump right into that. Josh, what's the synopsis? All right. the, uh, the synopsis for this film starts out with Dr. Lewis Creed moves his family to Maine where he meets a friendly local named Judd Crandall. After the Creed's cat is accidentally killed, Crandall advises Lewis to bury it in the ground near the old pet cemetery. The cat returns to life. Its personality changed for the worse. When Lewis's son, Gage, dies tragically, Lewis decides to bury the boy's body in the same ground, despite the warnings of Crandall and Lewis's visions of a deceased patient. Oh, that seems pretty... Yeah. Well, considering I didn't write that, that was straight off Google. That's true. I... If it's terrible, we won't claim that. <laughs> no, not claiming that at all. But I think it, I think it hits it. Here's, here's another synopsis if you want like a, a super short to the point. After tragedy strikes, a grieving father discovers an ancient burial ground behind his home with the power to raise the dead. Yeah, that sounds definitely like back of the box. I would, it does. I would probably rent that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got that off IMDb. Hey, that's, a little punchier. That one's a little bit better for sure. I was looking at this, and I didn't know this, but they actually were originally wanting Bruce Campbell to play the, the role of the dad. Really? Yeah, he was fresh off of like Evil Dead, and they—I mean, let's see. So he did the the first and second Evil Dead, and I think he's done a couple of smaller movies. He hadn't done Army of Darkness yet, but that was yeah the first choice for Lewis Creek, according to IMDb. So hopefully, hopefully that's right. true. That's pretty interesting, though. It is, and that would have changed the vibe so much of the movie. I mean, it, it, the movie's not afraid to have fun with itself. Mm -hmm. But I think if Bruce Campbell would have done it, it. Oh man, that would have been so campy in such an awesome way. Like this, this would be one of my favorite movies if he would had done. It would definitely be lead. higher. Yeah, it would definitely be higher on my list as well. We've got not to not to say I didn't enjoy this. I actually, I kind of did, but getting ahead of myself there. 
Well, we could we could talk about it if we we'll we'll rate it at the end of the show. But I I agree with you. I actually enjoyed this movie. I thought it was good. Um, I know we had recently watched the the remake, which I did not right. think was good. And no, yeah. So this this really felt like a a, a movie that told the story pretty well. Mm-hmm. If you've never read the book, I feel like you knew what was happening more or less with each character and what what their roles were and where their head was at. As far as the the remake goes, good lord, that was that was rough. They it was just trying to be a scary movie and you didn't really know where people were at in it. Right. That yeah, I it was it was just it was rough to to follow what the story was really trying to say and I felt kind of sporadic some of the scenes in it which I didn't feel, I felt like this actually had a really good pacing. Mm-hmm. I feel like it moved along really well and didn't drag too much. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree with you because I remember talking to you about the remake where I was like, why did they even have Zelda, the wife's sister, all those flashbacks, why did they even have her in that? And even though I had read the book over 10 years ago and I saw this movie 10 years ago and I was just like, why did they even have her in it? But then in this one, it made sense, which is like, that's why she didn't want to talk to her daughter about death. That's why right. because she felt guilty about her sister dying. And it all made sense. So in this movie, it totally made sense why Zelda was in there and why she was haunting her. Yes. Yes. They didn't, they didn't dwell on it too long. They beat it into the ground in the remake. And yeah. I, I, I had to read the cliff notes on the book because I'm with you. I haven't read that book in, oh man, 12 years long time and so i'm sure i'm forgetting a lot of or rather how much zelda was in it but in the in the 1989 version it was it was just enough to to let you know where her head was at and that it was like a a, a truly horrific thing that happened to her and was haunting her yeah you know even as an adult but not not so much that she couldn't move on with the you know move the story along with everything else no it added to the story and it made you I actually cared about the mom in this movie. That's the big difference too. I actually cared about the the cast in this movie a lot. I like the casting of this movie. I thought that it worked really, really well. And my favorite character, of course, was the friend Quinn's character. He was fantastic. Yes, he he was the best. He what a what a superstar. I, yeah. I understand he's a character kind of actor, and I guess you could say kind of a B b actor but my gosh he was he was the best all the way through he and really from an acting standpoint he he nailed the accent oh that, yeah that northern yankee accent it's spot on and and in stephen king's books anytime it takes place up in maine he makes a point to to reference that thick you know iconic accent from that region so I I thought that was great, but he also Stephen King actually wrote you know he also wrote the screenplay yeah. for this one as well. Yeah. So I'm sure he had a lot of input on on the little things like that, which I feel made a big deal. Yeah, I agree. in the end, he definitely had a like they they shot the movie actually 20 minutes from his house, basically. Yeah, and... it's gorgeous. There's a there's a scene earlier in the movie and it. It's it's over uh, above the house, and you can see into the back, the, the area behind the house, and there's a lake back there, and it's just gorgeous. I know what scene you're talking really, about. Really, yeah. really want to go to Maine because it's it's phenomenal. Yeah, because the first 
Yeah, I definitely saw that too. Because at first I was like, I don't know, it looks like just in the middle of nowhere. But then, yeah, that when they pulled back on that shot, and you see the whole surrounding area, it is beautiful. Yeah. I also didn't know this as well, but Mary Lambert, the director of the of the film, she had a lot to do with this movie and and actually how good it was. Like she had to fight to have Fred Gwynn in the movie because people really people yeah people didn't want to cast him because they were like, well he's. He's Herman Munster. Like people only know him from that, basically. From I mean, he was a theater actor, but I think he stole the show. Like every time he was in, I'd just watch a movie about him walking around in the house. Like he was right. very, very entertaining actor. And I didn't know this too, but his hair is actually black. So he had to dye his hair white for the part of the movie. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's shocking because it looks so perfect for his age and and everything else. Yeah. I got to look up pictures of him. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know, right? It's just it's fa- fantastic. But Stephen King di- actually picked Mary Lambert to direct the movie, since you know he's the the rock and roll of American American horror, and right. so he listens to a lot of rock and roll music. And she actually came to direct movies because she did a bunch of Madonna music videos in the eighties. Huh? Yeah, with that she actually knew the Ramones, which is why they. She got in contact with them, and they were able to do the song for the end of the movie, which I think you told me that Stephen King's a, a big Ramones fan. Yeah, and he references them a lot throughout his books. You can tell he's they're one of his favorites. I think that's, that is pretty cool. So what are your thoughts, general thoughts on the movie? Well, I enjoyed... There, there weren't too many, but I, I really enjoyed the jump scares when they happened. They're just kind of organic and... A little predictable, but in a fun way. You, when you know something's gonna happen, and it and it did. And the the first one kind of just caught me off guard, which was which is always good with a jump scare. When yeah, the the college kid Victor Pascal, when he gets you know hit by the car and he's on the gurney, and then Lewis checks his pulse, and then he he pops up, and they have their first conversation. And makes oh, you, yeah. you know, makes you jump, but you're already. It's funny because you're already kind of amped up because everybody was screaming and freaking out because you'd been in this horrific accident. Right. But that was great. And, you know, we're, I, unfortunately, we're going <laughs> to keep referencing back to the remake a little bit. <laughs> but he, his character in the remake, it, it was just kind of there. It just it didn't really have the, the weight that this one does. And this, this other actor who played Victor Pascal, Brad Greenquist, also really good he was probably my second favorite character in this movie after fred gwen just the way that he would you know kind of ham it up over dramatic on parts and then also just you know cracking funnies just oh, the yeah. jokes you know being loose with it which was was a lot of fun with this movie like like i said earlier it wasn't this movie wasn't afraid to, to have a little fun with itself i agree i actually wrote down in my notes i think one of my favorite parts I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but yeah, when he's in the car with the the wife with the wife, and she does something, and he's just like smiles and waves at the person that's talking to her, like he's just having right. a good time while she's driving back to the house. I think my favorite part was is when he's in the plane when she's flying back. Oh yeah, yeah, that that was it. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, <laughs> and you just he's sort of just in the background, just waving and smiling, and you're just like, oh my gosh. Right with him though too, like yeah, I agree totally. He was. He was probably my second favorite character, which it's normally a character like that where he's grotesque looking because of the accident and just the ghost character. Yeah, the, I, we probably are just going to re- 
compare this to the remake a lot, but it's actually, he was a very entertaining actor for sure. Right. And a big part of moving the story along because he really was, you know, trying to warn Lewis at the beginning and throughout the movie. And he's, he's sort of a hero, which was, he is. I never would have thought of him as that in the book and definitely not in, in the remake, but this one, he's totally this kind of ghost hero trying really trying to to help them out and save them. Yeah, he's definitely trying to. The thing that's interesting too, I I read was that they were talking about how there's like the guardian he's the guardian angel and then Judd represents the angel of death because he's the one who without meaning to pushes the family into this terrible situation because he's trying to help right. them. But right. I don't quite agree with that though. I think he's just a person that is just trying to help out this family and then the rest of the movie he's trying to fix what he started as right. the family goes off the rails. Cuz he's he's a genuine caring person. His his character is very yeah. loving and kind and the the scene right before Gage dies when they're all having a picnic out by the road. And he's just laughing. He totally fill, you know, fits that that grandpa, that loving grandpa figure. Yeah. And it, it just fits into the family picture so well. So I get it. Angel of Death is probably a very clinical way to look at his character, mm-hmm. his character's role in the whole movie. So I I do agree with that. But he's it's so much more than that. Like that's a it's kind of secondary to to a, a guy that was just trying to help this family out that he's really become attached to and. Yeah. I realize, oh crap. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a interesting movie because while I was watching this movie, the first time I saw it, I was really starting to get into Stephen King and was reading several of his books. So I was trying to go through all of his classics and I got my hands on this book and this book did creep me out. Not as much as some of the other Stephen King books, but I did enjoy it a lot. Yeah. And I heard that the movie was good, which is... You can't say that about most Stephen King movies. So no. I, this movie actually scared me though when I was younger. The whole end sequence with the with Gage in the house, right. like really creeped me out. And I think did it have kind of a Chucky vibe to you? Yeah, yeah, he did. Because that was the first thing that popped in my head, especially when, every time he was off camera or it was just like his hands or just a shadow. Yeah, and obviously the maniacal demon laughter. Yeah. But, of course, whenever it went to that little kid, you know, the, the actual actor, anytime I actually focused on him, it really became less scary because he was just too adorable. Yeah. But any any other time it was off camera or anything, it was very Chucky-esque, in my opinion. Well, the thing that's funny, too, actually, is there was a lot of concern about this movie after it came out about, like, how they did that with the kid Right with the with the kid actually being there committing these violent sequences, right? And because the the actor is only like three years old in real life, and right. so but the thing that's interesting is I I read that they said that they actually shot all of his scenes by himself. He was not there for the rest of the scenes, and then they edited it very well together. And so the actual sequences where he's like the dad is is fighting him pretty much right. is a is a is a little a child dummy that he's using and so that's pretty interesting like the way they edited it together like yeah he was just they were like okay make a face like look angry and stuff and right so i thought that was pretty cool actually because that's I, super impressive 
I read that before I watched the movie again, and then I was like, okay, I did the whole end of the sequence of it of the movie. I was like, this is really interesting. Yeah. Now the the real question is though, when you come back from the, what is that, the Micmac area? Yeah. The, so the real question is, does it give you super strength? Right. So for sure, that was one of my notes towards the end when zombie gauge is is going off for sure his being dead apparently really advances your vocabulary that was the other thing i noticed (laughs) he was a freaking chatty kathy there at the end and you know very easy to understand and then yeah that's one strong toddler at the end there (laughs) i know like anytime with when the the mom went in there and i was like where's judd and then he's like Judd weighs probably 250 to 300 pounds because <laughs> right. there's no way that kid could drag him in under the bed. And right. Then, let alone hang the mom at the end. I was like, that that part, okay, this is this is a movie about supernatural events, but that took me out of the movie, though. Right. It did, and it, that's almost one of the, when you think about it, you know, as far as the physics goes, that's probably one of the biggest supernatural aspects of it. Forget yeah. the part that he came back from the dead. I mean, <laughs> he's he's slinging people that are, you know, ten times heavier than him around. <laughs> Gage be slaying, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, man. speaking of, speaking of that, as far as like the editing and whatnot, this movie had some solid B movie like shots and angles, or or yes. there's a couple shots with Fred Gwynn where he just like looks at the camera and it's just so perfectly goofy, very right. intentional. Yeah, and absolutely. It, I absolutely loved it or just some fun angles depending on how they were, you know, moving around in the in the shot. Kind of a Sam Raimi feel. It it did. It felt it did feel very similar to like a, a more serious Sam Raimi movie. Right. And not all the time. It definitely it was just just isolated shots, but it really really made me like it. Yeah. And I definitely I I thought it was interesting that uh seeing Stephen King as the the chaplain. As a preacher, yeah, yeah the that was fantastic. When they saw him, I I wonder if he's good. I don't know if he has a cameo in all of his movies. I know he does in a lot of his movies, right? I don't I don't think it's like like the Alfred Hitchcock movie thing where he's in every movie, right? And also the the obvious one, the biggest one probably at least for for people these days would be Stan Lee. Oh in yeah, all the in every Marvel movie <laughs> for the most part. But that's I don't think I think he's so. I mean, okay. God bless him. I love Stephen King to death. He's an ugly man, so he's very, he's very hard to miss. He's, so I don't, definitely... I don't think he's in unless it's just like kind of in a crowd and you'd have to know that he's standing behind that person or something. So I, I don't kinda, know. I don't know that he's in everything. That's a, that'd be a good thing to to look up. Thankfully, fellow watchers, we're planning on doing a lot more Stephen King films or scripts or whatnot. So we'll we'll get back into the the lore that is Stephen King as we go. Yeah, this one I don't think actually in the book there are references to Castle Rock, but I didn't did you see any references in the movie to any of his other ones except for when they call him Doc, that could be a reference to The Shining. Yeah, I didn't it felt pretty singular as far as the story like it was just it was that was it. Yeah. No, in I... the remake they did when Ellie's driving back home at the end of the movie she passes a road sign pointing to Derry, which is oh, where yeah. it takes place. That, and there might have been some other references too, but I don't believe there was any other references, at least to other cities. There might have been references to other 
other things in his stories, but I don't feel like it was. I feel like this was really just a good condensed version of the book. Yeah, I agree. It was the the remake was like they were waiting till the end of the movie to show you, oh, we did something new with the ending versus this movie. Right. I actually enjoy I would have watched the movie as just like a drama with the family and Judd. Like, hey, we're living now in, right. in Maine. I I was enjoying it. I felt like it was well cast, well acted. Oh, I forgot too. I liked the soundtrack a lot. I thought yeah. the soundtrack worked very, very good for this movie. Yep. It had the classic 1980s children horror. Let me say that again. It had the classic 1980s, like the children horror choir thing that they did a lot, like in Children of the Corn and a lot of other movies right, right then. But I felt that it worked with this one specifically because it had kids. It was about kids, right? And the pet cemetery was a child's cemetery for their pets. Yeah. So the when the, when it starts off, it totally gets you in that cemetery vibe. Yeah, and I think I think personally, I was looking at this Stephen King. You know, he's talked about that this is the scariest novel that he's ever written. Right. For him personally that he actually wasn't going to print it. And then his wife, Tabitha, actually found the the manuscript and read it and told him that he should print it, that he should actually release it. Right. But this movie came, it basically was, all of it happened actually in real life to him and his family, including the baby coming back. No, I'm just kidding. Before, <laughs> without the supernatural stuff. But like their cat or, or animal got run over by one of the semi trucks that were riding by and, and and so he had to talk to a lot a lot of the the daughter's conversations was actually straight what his daughter and him talked about with their cat dying yeah in regards to death yeah. which i i really thought it, the, the the death conversation with the daughter was pretty sweet it, yeah it was very forced and clinical feeling in the remake but in this one it was really sweet and even seeing Ellie, the mom, kind of overhearing from the kitchen, she was kind of appreciative, it looked like, of how Lewis was handling it. Yeah. Uh, even if she didn't fully agree, she just, she looked sympathetic versus in the remake, it was just this, they really blew the drama up on that, which right didn't move, didn't move the story along at all. No, it didn't. It was, they were waiting till the end of the movie. And yeah. It, which it was, it which was. You you get a hint of it when, when the daughter dies, instead of Gage. Right. That's, that's your first clue to like, oh, that if you've seen it before, which and that's oh, the yeah. thing I, I really felt like. Spoilers to twenty nineteen. If you haven't seen that, right. one, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that that movie was so blatantly. Hey guys, we're making a remake of this other movie. Right. And. It, it was so so forced in that regard. But that being said, the the last five minutes of that movie was really, you know, hey, this is our fresh take on it, which it sucked that it had to be all the way at the end, the last five minutes, but it was a fun twist. Yeah, I as agree. far as being a whole hey, we're a whole zombie family now. That was that was fun, but they did a really crappy job getting you there and then it was like, okay, this is the coolest part and now the movie's over. No, I totally agree. And you know what's funny? Oh, actually. no, go ahead. Finish your thought. Then I got. Then I got one. Okay. Now, I would. The thing that's funny though is I actually. So I feel the complete opposite with this movie. I actually liked this whole movie until the last scene in the movie, 
And the new movie, the remake, I really didn't like the entire movie until the last scene in that movie. I so. completely agree. I feel like the ending, the the final scene of the you know of this one, the the eighty nine movie, was way too cliche. In fact, and this never happens, but I feel like the ending, the last line of the book, was one of Stephen King's best endings. To I a agree. Book where where Lewis is sitting in the kitchen playing solitaire in the dark. And then he hears the screen door open and a slow, you know, whatever moving body come up behind him and this cold, dirty hand rests on his shoulder and he hears a voice whisper in his ear, darling. And that's yeah. the end. Like, that's amazing. That That is such a good, creepy, it you is. figure out what happens next kind of an ending. It was, it was pro- I, I love it. And usually his endings, eh, I wouldn't say they're terrible. They're just not great. They're just, they're whatever. And I feel like the ending to this movie with her, you know, grabbing the knife and just and killing him, it was just too easy. It was just super cliche. Yeah. I would have actually rather have him just do the ending in the book. Well, what's funny, I, I read that they actually, they, Mary Lambert, the director, did film that. That was how they ended the movie, was that you actually didn't see her face. You just saw her coming up behind him, do the, sh- the hand on the shoulder and say, hey, darling, and then cut to black. Right. But then the studio didn't like that because they thought that they needed to put... This is the one time the studio's like, we need more blood. Because most of the time in the right. 80s movies, they were like, no, we need less blood. You guys are crazy. So, right. But yeah, no, this time they actually interfered and were like, hey, we need, we need some more violence. Because actually, most of the violence is off screen in yeah. this movie. There's very, very minimal of the on camera, I which is... In my opinion, and it's it's a very like Tarantino, Shyamalan kind of thing, and I'm I'm sure there's a lot of other directors I should be referencing other than those guys, but for sure Tarantino really made famous you know the, his off-screen violence like in Pulp Fiction, yeah, and it was so impactful. Which you know here's Mary Lambert doing that very thing, yeah, and I'm sure as far as pop culture in 1989 goes, and as far as you know horror movie buffs, I'm sure the ending was fine. It was probably what they were expecting. So the thing about this with Stephen King, where it was so scary for him, was because like the the majority with the cat dying and all that happened, and then he dove into they 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 hinted at the the Windango in this movie. They didn't show it, but they they you right. heard it twice. And in the book, I think you see the shadow of him. It's been a long time, but the he really goes into the the lore, the Native American lore in that area of the United States. And he's really good at doing that wherever he goes. He looks about the lore, like the book, The Insider, The Outsider, not The Insider. The Outsider takes place in Oklahoma and Texas. And a lot of those parts, he talks about some stuff with that. He's because he came here on a trip. And so he started writing about that, which is pretty cool. But I, I don't actually look at this movie as a horror movie. I look at it more as a fable. Like a, a warning, sure. like, hey, when bad stuff happens, like, for example, if they had never, if if the father had just fessed up to the daughter and said, like, hey, your your cat died, much nicer than, what, than that, but just like, hey, like, we got to sure. talk through this. I mean, Gage might have still died, honestly, that, that they're just, that's bad parenting, but that's a different thing. <laughs> right. But. No, I agree. It It's totally a movie about grieving and how people handle it. And, you know, the dead needs to be 
left in peace and you need to move on with life. And there's, there's so many different references to that and different angles looking at that concept throughout the story. Yeah. So I agree. It's totally a fable. Now I, I um, really, this, I've been thinking about this a lot, but the reason I like horror movies is because they take, if you're going to watch a drama and then something really messed up happens, it catches you off guard and you're like, I wasn't prepared for that. I hate this movie and I'm going to turn it off. But if you sit down to watch a horror movie, then you have no idea what's going to happen. And you're like, okay, anything can go down because this is a horror movie. So like you, right. then that way you can actually go into the darkness of the human soul and some really hard questions. And this movie and a lot of other movies deal with grief and making bad choices when you're when you're down and this movie just kind of goes like because really if he had just talked to his daughter then he wouldn't have found out about the the pet cemetery anyways so if gage had gotten killed then none of the other people would have died right and it would have been tragic and it still might have been a horrible experience for the family maybe maybe lewis and ellie split up i mean who knows that's a i can't even imagine yeah. What that must feel like to go through that as a parent myself and you're nearly there as a parent and it's yeah you can't can't even fathom. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, speaking of Gage dying, the the trucks that drive mm-hmm. by on that highway that, you know, and killed the cat play a huge part in the movie. And in the remake it was just basically used as a cheap jump scare constantly. Yeah, and when it was one of my huge pet peeves, as someone who lives kind of out in the country a little bit, you can hear a big truck coming a long ways away. And in the remake, they're always just boom, and they were there flying past the driveway. Right. And in this movie, they really show there's a lot more breadth and scope to the location, and you see this is a highway. It's everything's kind of spread out, and you see these trucks coming, and they just kind of blend into the background which is yeah. different than how the, re- the the remake was handling it. But the thing that I love so much about the trucks in this movie, and obviously in the book too, but in, in the movie you really see it, it just it feels like a character. Mm-hmm. And it does play an integral part of, the, you know, kills the cat, kills Gage. And you see some really cool shots of uh, either Judd, you know, on his side of the, of the road because he lives across the street, as a truck goes by, you see him thinking about whatever's happening in the moment, or from the other direction, you'll see a truck go by, and 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 uh, Lewis is in the background, yeah, going through whatever's going on with him in that moment. And then also, they really, well, you get another Ramon song, which is awesome. I think Sheena is a punk rocker. Oh yeah, and the driver's jamming on that as he's hauling up the road right before he kills Gage, which is a cool i don't know if juxtaposition is the right word but it was i was impressed you have him jamming and having a good time hauling down the road and then this happy family moment and then it's just absolute tragedy horrible awfulness yeah but that was super cool that the ramones got one of their famous songs in there and then like we said earlier of course that the the ending song pet cemetery is awesome that's got to be one of my favorite ramones songs it's just so melodic, good, good story. Such a catchy, you know, chorus. Yeah, when we started re- looking into reviewing this movie, and I was listening to it. Yeah, I'd never heard it before. I mean, I heard it ten years ago, but 
sure. as, as an adult now, <laughs> I, right? With the tra- <laughs> with a a better ear for music, I was right. like, yeah, I agree with you. I was like, this is a really great song. This it's yeah. catchy. I I was actually been singing it for the last week. Yeah, super catchy. Just a great hook. Some of the other Ramon songs, I love them. Like Blitzkrieg Bop. It's that's a fun song, but I wouldn't say it's like an an earworm. I wouldn't say it just sticks in your head. Right as quite as much as this one does because it's not just the melody but it's just that that i I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery i don't want to live my life again right that's such a it's kind of a deep lyric when you really want to break it down so it is kudos to the ramones for not just writing a song because they were fans i think too but just it's a great song and it really works well as an ending to that movie it does i i agree Although I will, I would do wish the end of the movie cut to black and it's quiet, and then this give the, give it like a second or two before the song kicks in. Yeah, I felt like it just all of a sudden it didn't. There was a great time for grief and tragedy at the end of the movie to kind of really affect you, and then you get this great exit song. Right, but that picks you back up as you're leaving the theater. You know? Right, exactly. <laughs> You're like, hey, that was a fun movie. That was a good movie. Right. They didn't ask me, though, mainly because I was two years old when this movie came out. Sure. But. <laughs> but And I was nine. I'm sure I would have had nightmares forever. Oh, my gosh. I will say, though, that like, time. this is the worst movie for going for the Achilles heel second, second to Hostel. But I saw this before I saw Hostel. Right. And I was just like, uh, and I honestly was nervous about this scene when that's right. And, and so, you know, it's coming. Yeah. Which, okay. I got it. All right. One nice thing I have to say about the remake is when John Lithgow as Judd, as he's up in the bedroom and he's looking for, well, it's the daughter at that point, but he's looking for her and he totally expects her to be under the bed and you're waiting for that. The movie is totally paying homage to that very scene in the original. Right. And then it doesn't happen. It happens when he's going down the stairs. But that was kind of a fun nod to the movie, I to the, the original movie. So I, I did like that. But yeah. it was a great campy scene when <laughs> when he slices in the Achilles and it looks like the foot's made out of clay. Oh, <laughs> it slices open. Still got me. <laughs> I was literally sitting on my couch and then I like I was like, there's room under my couch for a little kid. And then I was like, fool, you're in Oklahoma. <laughs> like, chill out. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just like, it still got me though. And but, um, yeah, it was it was a good scene though. It really was. Yeah. And the two when he gets him right in the freaking mouth, I just was oh, like, oh yeah, God, yeah, yeah. Poor, poor Fred. Poor Fred. But he died really well. Like that was a great death scene for him. Again, he was spectacular <laughs> from the minute you see him to the till the to the point where. When when Lewis goes in and he's he's looking for everyone and he flips back the the blanket or drags him up from under the bed I can't remember and you, they show his you know the cadaver face yeah. I don't even know if that was really him or if they just really made actually, him look dead but that sequence actually that one shot was not him that was actually a, they did a, a mold casting for that because if you look his face it, like his mouth right. is more open and that's what I thought I I was yeah. pretty sure that was just a, a dummy or a mannequin or something. But he did a good job being molded for that. But he did. He did. <laughs> Love Fred Gwynn. He was such I, a such an amazing actor. I really, actually, this movie makes me now. I always liked the Munsters when I was a kid. Yeah. But I actually want to go back now and see the other movies that he was in. I really enjoyed him in this movie. Right. Yeah. I think he's definitely 
uh, other than the monsters, I think he's a very underappreciated actor, which I know there's, I'm sure dozens and dozens of such actors. Yeah, I agree. Well, we should probably start wrapping this episode up. Absolutely. So, one one last thing I want to say was I remember the book being very dark. Mm-hmm. And the one thing about for me personally as a fan, I don't I rarely find Stephen King's books scary. Mm-hmm. Um unsettling, sure. But this one definitely just had a very dark, dark vibe. And this movie isn't like that. It's definitely a scary mm-hmm. kind of version. Which and the book is, I get it. The book is scary. It scares, it has scared and continues to scare a lot of people. But the movie just kind of went for scary, but it's definitely a, a bit more lighthearted take yeah. on the story than the the novel is. I agree, which I, is very enjoyable. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that even the parts with the ghost, with with him being in it so much, but him also like, I don't know. You actually kind of get you kind of get to understand the ghost a little bit too, where you're just like, oh, he's kind of a normal guy. He's not creepy at all. He just looks horrific because that's how he died. Right. But kind of like, kind of like the ghosts in a Shyamalan sixth sense. That's true. Yeah. I didn't even think that that's a good point. Yeah. But yeah, it is a, it is a lighter flavor. And, but also the one downside though, to this too, I found this out and this would have been interesting. Probably not honestly though, probably not as good of a movie. But Stephen King wanted George Romero to direct this, and George Romero. Oh, that's right. I did know that George Romero had the rights, and then something happened. He couldn't do it, and he made Monkey Shines instead. Right. Which I haven't seen that movie in a long time either. Uh, but I think this movie. I think Mary Lambert did an excellent job. Yes. With this. I definitely. I looked up so other movies that she has directed, and she did direct the sequel to this movie, which I heard was terrible oh, and, i'm sure it is <laughs> and then she, she directed the third urban legends movie bloody mary which i didn't see that but and then also she directed the instant classic halloween town 2 on the disney channel oh wow so well that, mary lambert we may have to bring you back here come october yeah we might have to that do that might it. be a fun one that would be really fun we might get a maybe a guest uh, a guest or two yeah. on this podcast yeah i know that's a fan favorite there this movie actually did pretty good for 1989. It was made for 11 million and it made 57 million. So wow, that is really good. That's pretty solid. Most horror yeah. movies are even now are made for 10 to 20 million dollars, and they try to keep them super cheap because that's why a lot of horror movies are terrible because they just they know that they can get their money back. Right. But, but this one though, they did good job, and so that was pretty cool. Absolutely. Well, as far as ratings go. In my opinion, at this point in history, I, I sort of consider this movie a little on the B side. And so that being said, for a B movie, I absolutely give it an A for enjoyment. I I really it kind of it surprised me how much I enjoyed this movie um, versus when I saw it when I was younger. That's interesting. I I think that I actually will go the opposite on this movie. I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot more when I was younger and because it just really it really scared me when I was younger and sure. now as a this now as an adult watching it I I actually saw it more as a like that drama fable with some scary yeah. parts at the end. Right. But I definitely personal enjoyment I would give this a C. It's a solid movie. 
So that's cool. Right on. First disagreement we'll, we'll, right there. We'll, I know. <laughs> Second so episode. If we, average, if we average it out, we come down on a B, which is probably better for a uh, better of a, a thing for me too. I, I can't give out too many A's. I feel like I might get in trouble doing that. <laughs> we'll talk about it after the podcast is over. <laughs> right. We'll hash it out. Right. No, but you, no, you hit for... you absolutely hit the nail on the head. My last thoughts in my notes for this movie was that it's still a good story. It's still relevant for today. It is. Oh yeah. So yeah, I definitely agree. It is relevant. It is definitely a midnight watch movie. I would watch this movie and it would keep me up because it was interesting and entertaining. Yes. So 100%. I would, I would definitely give this the stamp of approval of a midnight watch worthy movie. Yes. And it was very good. Okay. Yeah. So that looks like that about does it for this podcast. So I've got a quote here from the next movie that we're going to do. The precogs were never wrong, but occasionally they do disagree. Well, I'm going to guess it's not a musical. Well, you know, I think you're right. Even though it does have an amazing soundtrack. Oh, cool. I'm well, All right. Well, next week, we got a next show, great show coming up. Thanks for listening. Please rate us. Watch us again. Give us a review. Share it if you enjoyed it, and as always, keep up the watch.